which puts us now back into the Gospel of Mark. We've been looking at the parables uh, of Jesus in Mark chapter 4. And I think it would be fair to say that there are times for everybody when we are confused by God, we struggle with doubt, wonder about God and having faith in Him. And I think that this section of these parables is intended by Jesus to help us with doubt, to help us with those struggles, to help us when we have confusion toward God. And you might now look at the parables that we're going to look at and think, I don't see how that really fits together. Uh, but I think we'll see as we, we look at these four parables in their entirety, that that is really the direction that Jesus is going. Now, if you remember a few weeks back, the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 4 is this parable of soils. It's more frequently known as the parable of the sower, but the, the, the story is very much about there being four different soils. There are four different hearts. And remember that Jesus is telling this parable because as you come to chapters 2 and 3 of Mark, we are seeing all kinds of people rejecting Jesus, people that you wouldn't expect to be rejecting Jesus. We see the religious leaders and Pharisees and scribes. They're not listening to Jesus. In fact, they're plotting to destroy Him. What was perhaps even more shocking in chapter 3 is that Jesus' own family has come to Him and they think Jesus is out of His mind and are trying to kind of secretly pull Him away. And this big question is looming, then who is going to follow Jesus if the religious leaders are not and His family thinks He's crazy? And chapter 4 then opened with this parable of soils about the kind of heart an individual has. That's the one who's going to follow. You will look in your scriptures there for a moment and notice in verse 21, there's not some big break in the action. In fact, there are three parables that follow the parable of the soils, but in the way that Mark accounts for them, there is no, and then the next day, or a new audience, or change of gears, or new location, or any of that. Mark wants to put these four parables together. And so there is a central message that Mark wants us to see with these four parables. So keeping in mind the parable of soils that Jesus begins with as his entry-level parable. Recall that he said, if you don't understand this parable, how can you understand any of the parables that I'm going to tell you? And so with that in mind of what kind of heart do you have as Jesus speaks We're going to look at these other three parables and connect them to the parable of the soils and see what Jesus wants us to truly understand about his mission in revealing the kingdom of God. Notice verse 21, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. If anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Notice in this introductory parable here, and it seems to be very simplistic about, okay, well, what is the point of life? 
You don't put light under things. You put light so that it can expose. And notice that Mark is highlighting that. What is the purpose but to reveal and to expose? And what is the issue that Mark is wanting us to see except this is the mission of Jesus? That what Jesus is doing in his teachings is that he is exposing hearts. This is how this parable of the soils works out. We are determining which kind of heart people have. And it's going to be determined through the parables and through the teachings that Jesus gives. What makes what Jesus is doing then fascinating is through the parables of Jesus and through these teachings, we are coming to find out that these pious, righteous ones, these religious leaders, who you would think would be the good soil, right? Turn out to actually be hard, thorny, stony soil. The reason they're rejecting is though on the outside you would say those have to be the righteous people. They surely have good hearts, right? And Jesus is saying, no, they must not because they're not accepting me. And then the very next parable is my teachings are revealing that. I am bringing light to the world. I am bringing light into the heart. My teachings will reveal which kind of soil and which kind of heart you have. And I think that's what's starting to shake out as Mark wants us to look at the purpose of Jesus in revealing His kingdom. Is that of course there's going to be rejection. Of course there's going to be people who are standing against Him. And that's not to be a surprise because the purpose of Jesus' teaching is to reveal the truth of the hearts of people. His teachings will show who you really are Based on the response, based on what happens with that word. And so here is this imagery here of light that is shining, that is revealing, and it is bringing things into the light. And then he says in verse 23, now I want you to pay attention. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Verse 24 then, pay attention to what you hear. Because Jesus is revealing to you what is in your heart. And so I want you to listen. I want you to be aware. I want you to see what is happening. Because the light is coming in. And what that light is doing is actually pronouncing a judgment. It's very much what we looked at even in Ezekiel this morning in the Bible class. This idea that here's the proclamation of God's word. And is it going to bring you life? Or is it going to bring you destruction? And this light, this word is revealing that into the hearts of the people. And what I want you to see Jesus indicating here is that there is absolutely no middle ground when it comes to the word of God. When it comes to Jesus' teachings, the things that he proclaims, there is absolutely no middle ground. Either the word of God will push you further into spiritual blindness or it will push you into further spiritual understanding. There's no middle ground. You are either being pushed further and further away. And this is what is being revealed in the light of God's Word. As Jesus is telling these parables, as He's teaching the people, it's showing who is 
listening and what is their response? And have you noticed that there's not this great middle ground response? What happens? People either follow or they say, let's kill him or he's crazy or we're not going to mess with that. We're not going to be a part of that. There's nobody going, interesting. (laughs) They're in or they're out. And that's what the Word of God does. It pushes you to a decision. Are you going to allow the Word of God to push you to spiritual understanding and come to the light? Or is it going to push you further and further away? Now notice in verse 26, again, Mark doesn't want to break. There's no breath here. There's no in tomorrow. Very next line. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts the sickle in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now it's tendency to go, okay, totally new idea, whole new parable. In fact, very interesting, this is this parable's only in Mark's gospel. Can't go anywhere else to find this one. This one's unique. And notice the unique characteristics of what is happening here in regards to the picture that's being given. Notice it says there in verse 26, the kingdom of God is like this one who is scattering seed on the ground. Here's this man and he's scattering seed. But your tendency is to read that and go, okay, so God's the sower and he's scattering. Not not this time. Notice verse 27 is this guy just throws the seed around. He goes to bed. And he wakes up and he goes to bed and he wakes up and he goes to bed and he wakes up and ta-da, there's this harvest. And he has no idea how that happened. And he goes out there and he takes his harvest. You have to just imagine being in that scene as Jesus told parables like that and walked away. And you'd be like, what? But think about what Jesus just taught in that. There's something powerful in what Jesus is doing here. Notice there's this critical description about the effect again of Jesus' words. And there is an effect of what He's doing that what He is accomplishing is changing people's lives. But there is such this important description that notice that the emphasis is placed upon this seed. Is it about the sower here? Says the sower, he just goes to bed and rises up and ta-da, there it is. It's not about him at all. It's about the power of the words. It's about the power of the seed. That the seed itself does something. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. That's a really important phrase right there. He's not part of the process at all. It's not because he is an excellent farmer that there is this great harvest. He just put seed in there and went to bed. And then suddenly, here it is. Well, was it because he was such a good waterer? No. Because he planted it in just the right place. No. Notice the whole picture is that it is all about God. 
It is all about the Word of God, the power of God's words, the power of the seed. That is the seed that will accomplish this work. It's not going to be in the, in the farmer. It's not going to be in the individual. It's not going to be in that. And I want us to recognize that this is such an important teaching. It is so easy right now for us to live in a time where we think about trying to force results. How many of us have not thought, well, if I just had the right Bible teaching technique, you know, if I knew how to just say it right, if I just had all of the apologetics and all the defenses, and if I just memorized every argument against evolution and against all of these things, I would be able to win every... But notice that that's not true. Notice that the picture is simply you can't force the results. You can't come up with some special way or some special tool to generate results. I'm going to take a particular pot shot at one going on that's driving me up the wall. That we would be able to go buy a book. And if we would just use this book, then you would have everybody be baptized. It would just be a 100% success rate. Just use this book. I sure wish Jesus would have had that. He should have told us that if you told the gospel story this way, then it would always work. I wish he would have done that himself in the scriptures because then he would have had more success. We have such a strange way at looking about how we're going to reach the lost as if if I had just the right book, the right track, the right paper, the right technique, the right process. And notice in this parable it is... What did the farmer contribute to this whole scene here in Mark 4? He scattered seed and went to bed. (laughs) There's nothing about him. I I learned this the hard way after a few years here. For a lot of frustration. (laughs) Should have been really obvious. We can't make people obey God. We think, well, if I would, how I, I should just. You can't make people obey God. The power is in the seed. The changing is through the seed, through the Word of God. It's not because of us. As if we could be so proud or so arrogant to say, well, look at all the people I've converted. That's really frustrating. I've seen elderships in churches, they'll ask the preacher, well, how many people have you baptized this year? Well, that's arrogant. As if the power resides in me. I am the great Bible teacher. You should send me all of the people you know because I have the technique to do it perfectly. Nonsense. The power's in the Word of God. That's what the parable is saying. 
This is not to be results driven. What happens to us is we want the gospel to be like this single event. So like we'll have our lectureship and we're, we're going to have thousands of baptized. You know, we're going to make it all in this one big event. We'll have one gospel meeting. We'll have one Bible class. It'll be in this one great sermon. Preachers like put this unrealistic pressure on themselves. I'm going to hit this home run for 35 minutes. This is going to cause everybody to fall down and serve the Lord. It doesn't work like that. Notice what the picture is. It is a picture of a growing seed. Have you seen how long it takes to grow a seed? I remember uh, science class. One of the things we had to do in one of our science class, we had to like grow a seed, you know, so we get our little small little thing, dirt, seed, water, go, put it by the window so it has sunlight, right? Wake up the next day, you know what, I'm expecting like a tree to be in there, you know? The next day it's got to be growing, right? There's nothing. A whole week. Nothing. So what do I do? I start flooding the thing. must not be much water, right? This is, you know, I start doing, and I'm killing the thing left and right. Because it's so painfully slow. Friends, that's how the Word of God works in the hearts of people is that you're not going to say some witty answer and they're going to go, oh, you got me. Now I'm going to follow the Lord all the rest of my days because of the one word you said. He's picturing a process. This is what Jesus is doing while He's walking the earth, while He's teaching, is that this is a slow, painful process. It seems from our eyes, our vantage point, look how slow this is. But what's Jesus doing? Teaching God's Word, walking away. Come back to the people again, teach them again, walk away. Come back to them again, teach them again, walk away. That's the process. The Word of God is the process. It's in the Word of God. It's not in some fancy techniques. It's not in us trying to do something special. Our place is very simple in this. Scatter seed. That's it. It's not about now how you throw it. You know, it's not in that. Scatter it. Just get the Word out there. It is in the power of God's Word. This is what Jesus has come to do. He is shining the light through His words. And we just need to send the seed out there. It's a beautiful parable that is being given to us here in this picture. of It's not built upon us. I want to talk about that a little bit more for a minute. Talking about what that looks like. An application for a church and an application for a family as well, not just simply as individuals. It is such a warning to us to not become a results-driven mentality of a church. Because what often people want to do and often what happens is what we try to do is we do some flashy thing thinking, well, that's going to get them in here. You know, if this Wednesday, if we just opened up the roof and shot off more fireworks than West Palm Beach, we could get all kinds of people in here, you know, and think of all the things that we could do. We start thinking in terms of winning people over because we're thinking of the result. If we could just, you know, have more entertainment, more fun, 
What can we come up with to try to get people in here and trick them with the gospel? We will, uh, you know, have all kinds of games and we'll have a fair and we'll make a carnival and we'll do all kinds of fun stuff. And while they're here and we don't know, we'll slide them the gospel and they won't even know the difference. That's what we do. People think like that. I see that with the vacation Bible schools that come up, crop, crop up in the summer. We'll teach their kids all week long, and then on Saturday we'll have this potluck so they'll all come and eat food, and then on Sunday they have to come because I want to see if their kids did really good in class or not, so we'll stick them with the gospel in the back end, even though they really don't want to be there, but they'll do it anyway. What are we doing? It's like we're trying to trick them and we'll give them something to their fleshly desires. And then when they're least expecting it, we'll drop the word of God on them and die, we got them. You ever see Jesus do that? Did Jesus ever go around doing something where, you know, hey, we're just having a good old time here and just, you know, trick him. Oh, I got you with the gospel. He didn't even know it. It is so sad that this is exactly some of the things that we have the tendency to fall into. Growth will only come from the Word of God working in the hearts of people. It's not about plays and pageants and shows and entertainment and fun and we will do all these kinds of externals and we'll offer coffee, make sure that there's lunch and do all these kinds of things. That doesn't change people. You can get millions in, but not a single person is going to come to Christ because it won't be the heart of the Gospel that they came for. That's the problem. We have to win people with the Word of God and the Word of God alone. And that's why we have to teach the Word of God and teach absolutely nothing else. That's what changes lives. Notice the picture was not the farmer scattered seeds and then notice all the other things he did to make sure that it happened right. Scatter seed, scatter seed. Scatter seed and let the seed do its slow process in the lives of people. Repeatedly give them seed and repeatedly water that seed and give them what they need. Don't try to do it some other way. Let me say this in a way of families as well. The same message comes to the family. Parents cannot make their children obey the Lord. Parents cannot make their children obey the Lord. It's almost like we've had this idea that that's the case. You know, we took the proverb, we'll train up the child in the way he should go. And when he was old, he will not depart from it. So therefore, if the child departs from it, you must not have trained them. How many people did Jesus teach and they walked away? Masses. Masses. It's not about... But it's about the power of the Word of God in the hearts of people. What's the responsibility of us as parents? To plant that seed in that heart all day, every day. I can't make them be a Christian. No. But I can scatter seed all the time. That's my responsibility. I can fail there. 
I can show them that everything else is more important than God and I haven't scattered seed. If I show them that worldly things are more valuable to me, if I show them that wealth and money and hobbies and TV and whatever else, those things are more valuable to me than the Word of God and studying God's Word and worshiping God, well, now I'm not scattering seed. Now I am culpable. But I can't make somebody be a Christian. I can't make my kids be Christians. But all I can do is throw the seed, throw the seed, throw the seed. One more parable. Verse 30. Mark 4, verse 30. And he said, notice there's no break. And he said, with what will you compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, when, which when it is sown in the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it, grown, it grows up, it becomes larger than all the garden plants. And it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, you spoke the word to them as they were able to hear. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Final parable, parable of mustard seed. If you grew up in the pews, you know this one. Your, your mind shut off and you're like, okay, I know what that means. Small beginning, big ending. And that's true, but that's not exactly what Jesus is ultimately getting at here in this parable, at least as Mark is putting these four parables together. That Yes, the kingdom of God is going to start small. We'll start with one. It'll move to 12. And yes, it will go to the ends of the earth. But there's a far bigger deal in the language of how he describes this. Notice in verse 32 how he describes this kingdom is that it's going to become this tree and all the garden, larger than garden plants, and it's going to put out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Hold that image in your ears. Large branches, birds all around making nests in this large, large tree. Ezekiel made a prophecy. And as he's describing the judgment that's going to come against Judah for the people's disobedience, he speaks of a time when things are going to change. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and I will set it out. I will break off the topmost of its young twigs, a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird and in its shade of its branches birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and I make high the low tree. Dry up the green tree and and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it. Did you hear Jesus quoting Ezekiel's idea right there? Is that Ezekiel says, here's what's going to happen one day. I'm going to take Israel. It's just going to be really small, but it's going to become this big, big tree. But not just simply being a big tree, but all these birds are all going to come in and everybody's going to be called into this kingdom. Everybody's going to enjoy it. Everybody's going to nest in it and enjoy its shade. Here is this great picture of it is through Jesus, through His words, that the kingdom of God is going to start, it's going to grow, and it's going to flourish. Do you see the theme in all four of them? 
All four of these parables. Jesus' words are the way that you come to know God. Jesus' words is the way that God's light shines into your heart. It is Jesus' words that show which kind of soil you are. It is Jesus' words that show if you belong to the kingdom of God or not. It is Jesus' words that show if you are enjoying the blessings of the kingdom of God. All of these parables are showing this idea. In fact, that's why you have verses 33 and 34. This is why he speaks to them this way. I asked you at the beginning of the lesson. Are there times when God seems confusing? Are there are times when you have doubt. Times you don't understand. Times when you're not sure. And I want you to notice that what Jesus is doing in his words is encouraging that kind of questioning and that kind of pursuit. That there is nothing wrong with you. If you read the word of God, if you listen to Jesus' words and you say, I don't get that. (laughs) What is he doing right? That doesn't make sense. I don't understand. That the whole point of what Jesus is doing in each of these parables is trying to see, do you want to find the answers in God or not? It's a person that I know know fairly well. I've known him for for many years. He, He grew up in the pews. And just by... Happen chance our, our roads crossed some years ago. And so he left God even though he, he knows what is right. And in our discussion one time, uh, he said, because uh, I asked him, I said, I want to I want to get together with you and talk about why you've left the faith, why you don't follow God anymore. He said, sure. Um, but here's the thing. I have lots of questions that nobody can answer. I said, okay, I'd be happy to try. Well, I just have some questions that, that, that people can't answer. And he, he gave me one of them. And what I want you to think about in this is he used the questions that he has to say, well, that's why I don't have to follow him. I don't have answers that are adequate to my understanding. That's why I don't believe. And what I'm wanting you to see at this moment is that those kinds of questions are not unusual or not something that you're like not supposed to have. What's the matter with you? Aren't you a Christian? You should have no questions. And if you have a question, there must be something wrong with your faith. The Word of God generates those questions. If you dig into the Word of God, you're going to have all kinds of questions. You're going to read it and go, what? I mean, we just did that this morning in Ezekiel. The passage says that, that God gave them statutes that were bad. And you go, wait a minute. That, that, so, now what are you going to do with that sentence? 
See, that's what God is doing. God is challenging your heart and challenging your faith and challenging everything to expose your heart to see. Are you going to dig in and try to figure out this answer and come to know God? Which soil are you? And the word of God is the light that's shining in that heart. And it's exposing everything in that heart. And it is not because of other people and how they taught you. And he's not a very good preacher or he's a really good preacher or your friend, teacher, so-and-so. We just read that other parable. It's not about who taught you. It's about the word of God changing your heart and working in your life so that you can plant yourself under this grand kingdom of God. But you have to decide what you're going to do with that light shining into your heart. What are you going to do with that? There's a reason why the Word of God is frequently described as a sword. It cuts right in there. And I don't like the pain. (laughs) You know, I like it to set it aside. Don't let it shine in there. I've got some dark recesses. I don't want light shining in there. I want to keep my sin, keep my life, and do what I want to do. I don't want to change. You see, this is what Jesus is doing with these challenges. These questions that arise, these doubts that you may have, the confusion that comes along. This is the light of God's Word shining in your heart. And it's this moment where you are determining, so what soil are you? And what will be your response to the light of God's Word? And will you allow it to bring about spiritual understanding or a greater spiritual blindness? This is what we are challenged with for ourselves every single day. Is that we've talked a lot about the word of God and how we cast it out and spread it everywhere. It's not about us. It's about God. It's not about how we throw it. It's all about the word of God. And now just turn that over and now turn it inward and go, so now, how's that working on you? Is the Word of God working in your life? Is the Word of God changing you? Are you allowing the light of God's words to change who you are? As it shines on things that we know that are sinful and wrong, what do we do with that? As we are challenged with the things that God says, what do we do with that? Do we change what we do? Do we conform to what God says? Do we now follow Him and serve Him and obey what He says? Or do we cut ourselves off from the light and go, I don't want any more of that? This is how Jesus has come to reveal the kingdom of God in a very, very simple way. The great simplicity of His words to people. I I frequently say we live in such an amazing time where the Word of God is so accessible to us. On our vacation we were in, the tour guide's telling us how in the Soviet Union that most of the churches were shut down and turned into storms and warehouses. Could not be accessed thought about that. You imagine the government just saying, we're going to store all our stuff in this building. You can't be here anymore. 
we take for granted so much. The access to God's Word, the access to worship, we're just so frivolous with it. And it is a reflection of our hearts in all of this. How much do we allow the Word of God to really penetrate, really change who we are, and really allow it to work in such a way that it's going to grow and flourish and bear fruit that we can enjoy being in a relationship with God. These parables are often seen as just simple parables, but they ask a very challenging question. Will you allow God's words to penetrate into your heart? That's a simple question. That's what all of those parables are connecting together to show. What are you going to do with God's words? Are you going to allow it to change you? Will you come to the light of the Scriptures? Come to the light of the gospel And enjoy the blessings of what Jesus has offered to you. We encourage you this morning, if you are ready to turn to Jesus, if you are ready this day to make a decision to follow Him with all of your heart, to confess Jesus to be the Son of God, to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, if you would make that decision today, but... By no means do I ever want to indicate that this is the singular event. This is, you know, your one moment forever. That maybe you're still working on this and still trying to figure it out. That's why everybody's here to help you on that pursuit. We would love to study the Word of God with you. We would love to talk about these things with you further. We would love to show you more of what God says. You can let us know that as well. Whatever we can do to help you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, won't you do that now while we stand and while we sing?